Hey, good morning, church. Hope you're well. I was just setting the scene, getting everything ready here, and I had this massive re realization. When I say setting the scene, what I actually mean was dumping all the clothes and all the boxes and all the bits and pieces that congregate round in our bedroom, uh, dumping them on the bed and getting getting this bit nice and clean for you guys. When I realized this could actually be the last or maybe the second last time that I have the opportunity to film in my bedroom. Things are moving forward and hopefully we'll be out there soon. We then have to obviously go into two weeks quarantine when we come out there, but uh, it's getting closer is what I want to say. And so, you know, the reality is things for all of us are going to change. Hopefully soon we'll be live streaming and then very quickly we'll be back in the room together uh, and we'll all be, we'll, as a family, we'll be out there as well. And the reality is, like everything, this room, the way we've done things has served us well up until this point, but things will change. So I hope you're ready for that. I hope you're praying into that as well. And uh, the subject that we're actually going to start talking about this week or the big picture subject is called faith and uh, faith actually calls us into a place of change a place of moving forward one of the ways I heard this saying years ago but one of the ways of spelling faith is r-i-s-k risk we have to step into something that we don't know or that we don't we're not sure about not not knowing the end not even knowing the process at times but trusting who is taking us there and uh, as we as we put our plans in place to begin to meet together again and we want to meet in a safe secure environment in a safe secure and sanitized way as well i guess uh you know we have to think about how can we take those steps of faith and move out of the covid arc and into the unknown what will church look like we don't really know do we what will the rest of the year look like and and big picture what will society look like as we move forward out of covid but the thing is all of those unanswered questions there are some things that remain the same one of those things is the mission of the church and we are to be ambassadors for Christ. We're stepping into our world. You know, again, I come back to that, that passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17 to 20, where it says that we're his ambassadors. And it's as if God is making his appeal through us. That will never change. Whatever's out there actually is always going to change. But our mission and our purpose as a church is to step into that and take Jesus. And uh, so... If you're ready to come around the word, let's pray before we do so. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your church. And God, we thank you for our mission. We thank you for our purpose. We thank you for relationship with each other, but also ultimately with you as well. And God, I pray over these next few weeks as we unpack this, this series, this topic of faith, this huge topic. God, I pray that as, as preachers, Lord, that you'll give us wisdom in what to preach, wisdom in what not to preach as well. But God, I pray that as the wider congregation, each one of us, God, will get something of you, that in some way that we'll come to know you and love you just a bit more. I pray for those that don't know you yet, that may be watching right at this moment. God, I pray that something that we say, sing, do, or interact with them, God, will impact them, Lord, to call them into a place where they're ready to say yes to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We 
We love stories where the hero wins, don't we? You know, the good, the bad and the ugly. That's the sort of the theme uh, of faith. But many of us will remember the, uh, the trilogy uh, for a few dollars, a few dollars more and the good, the bad and the ugly. And the hero wins. Uh, films like, you know, Sons of Katie Elder, The Magnificent Seven, the cowboy films, but also many, many other films that we see down through the years as well. I grew up, like some of us, watching The A-Team and uh, absolutely loved that program. The thing with The A-Team was there was a very, very clear, very precise formula and they always won. They always won. There's usually a plot twist where they get caught and they get captured and, and, and holed up in some sort of barn and locked there. And B.A. Baracus will make a tank and a rocket, rocket projectile gun out of some toilet roll and some uh, sticky back plastic. And uh, they'll always win the day. You know that they're going to defeat the bad guys. But then somewhere along the line, they started making films like Seven and Gone Girl, where it's like, what on earth just happened? There was no resolution, no good feels at the end of the film. And I guess scriptwriters realized that in real life, many things aren't resolved. Many things aren't tied up with a nice bow where the good guy always wins and gets, gets to kiss the beautiful heroine as well. And they walk off into the sunset. Sometimes there's just no resolution for things like that. And so how do we as followers of Christ deal with those situations? How do we walk into those? You know, when, when the divorce happens, when racism happens, when, when a global pandemic happens, when our visa and house sale takes six months and still counting, but we're getting there. When a baby dies in the womb, when you lose everything in a financial crisis, when that person that you trusted with your life has an affair, when your kids walk away from faith. Surely, surely we ask ourselves, surely that can't happen to me. I'm a follower of Christ and things like that don't happen to us. I was told that, that God knows his plans for me. I, I have it in writing. God knows his plans for me to prosper me and not to harm me. I was told that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. I remember Pastor John saying that God crowns the year with his favour and with his bounty and his, our carts overflow with abundance. What happened to that? Am I a bad person? Does God not love me like he loves the next person? Maybe I just don't have faith like them. Maybe, God, you're not as good as I was told you are. Some of us, and myself, I include myself in this, feel like the guy that wrote Psalm 77, where it says, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? He has his steadfast love forever ceased. Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. I think sometimes we all get to that place where we're just going, God, are you just not good? So what do we do with these situations, these thoughts and these questions? Hopefully over the next few weeks 
and, and as just as part of church life, we'll begin, begin to unpack some of those. And we can actually help each other, I really believe. Not just about me or one or two of the other people preaching these messages, but we can actually help each other within our circle groups. We can discuss those times. And I, I really pray that you'll begin to open up and begin to ask, like the psalmist, God, what are you doing in this situation? We're going to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly parts of faith you know and as I said you'll be looking at some questions in your circle group so please be prepared and come come open to talk through the issues of life be prepared to be honest go prepared to build each other up go prepared to encourage each other in our faith and we want we want to build faith for the rest of this year but in doing so I want us to build a realistic but also a supernatural faith that doesn't just stand in the good times, but also is steadfast in the worst of times. And I hope that over these next few weeks, you'll begin to, to read and get into Hebrews 11, because that's one of the foundational chapters. We're going to use scriptures from all over and look at characters from the Bible. But I want us to keep coming back to this passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews that is written about these heroes of faith. And it gives us a great view of some of these people from the, particularly the Old Testament. And, and when you think about it, there's actually some surprising people in there and, and, and also not some great outcomes either when we're talking about faith. And if you looked at some of these people's lives, you might think, I actually don't think they deserve to be in that list of heroes. You see, I think it's those people. When we look at their lives and think maybe they don't deserve, I think they're the ones that we can see ourselves in. They're the ones because because they're in there, we can go, well, they don't deserve it. But maybe just maybe they're a lot more like me than I thought. So let me read just a few verses. And as I said, I, I pray you'll go away and actually read the whole chapter several times. But let's start with the beginning of Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of the old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I want us maybe later on in one of a future preach. I want to come back to that verse a bit more and unpack it. But where I want to go through to is Hebrews 11, verse 11, just a short verse. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And that's the verse that I want to get us get into today. And Sarah is, is just the, the, the hero of faith that I want us to look at briefly. In the days of pre-Apple Maps and pre-Google Maps on our phones, did you ever try and get somewhere but got hopelessly lost because you actually didn't know where you were starting from? Maybe you had one of those fold-out maps and I was talking to my, my sister-in-law the other day. She actually always carries an A to Z uh, map and it's a, a map of a city. I don't know if you have them in Canada, but the A to Z map of London. And you, But there's like 300 pages and you have to keep flicking through them. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll find where you are and then find where you're going to. But the problem is we can get so lost because sometimes we don't know where we're starting. 
And today, as I said, I want to look at a woman, this woman, Sarah, and how she got to where she wanted to be because she set off in the right direction with her faith. Let me give you the end point of this message. Don't switch off because I want to unpack this a bit more. You see, our faith is always about the who, not the what. Your faith is not about you. I believe one of the key phrases in this whole chapter, this, in fact, this whole topic of faith, the whole of Christianity could be simply this. She, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. See, everything goes around that. And that's what Sarah, that's the, the story of Sarah's life. There's so much more there. But she, she started at that point. She headed in the direction and she came back to that point. So that's for us, our starting point and our direction. Sarah trusted God. See, faith isn't about what we're trusting for. Faith is about where we place our trust. It's about who we are trusting. So what do we know about Sarah? Here's some of the things that we can read from the word of God. Her husband told her that she was his sister to save his own skin because she was, to be honest, she was pretty hot. And, they, and, and, and Abraham thought that they might kill him so that they could have her. He didn't just do this once. He actually did this twice. That would have really made her feel very valued. But there's more. When we, when we begin to read about the fact that Sarah wanted a child and, and God had promised her that, she was an old woman. She didn't have any, any children. And in those days, her life's accomplishments would have been seen in her inheritance. It's said that children are our inheritance. So when she looked at her life, she would realize, yeah, she's got lots of money and property and sheep and camels and a great husband. Well, not so great husband when we read about that. But you see, there was nothing in front of her. And so her life really amounted to nothing. She would have felt unfulfilled, incomplete, defective and deficient. And the other thing that we realise is that or, or read is that she was eavesdropping, eavesdropping on a conversation her husband was having with some house guests. Maybe she shouldn't have been eavesdropping in the first place, but she overheard them telling her, telling him that she was going to have a son by the same time next year. Now, she'd actually heard this promise many, many years before and nothing had happened. Let me read her response. Genesis 18, 11 to 12. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Both her and her husband were old. She was 90. He was 100. Now, that's getting on a bit. I'm, you know, I'm 53 and Abraham was almost double my age. And so laughing, I think, seems a pretty reasonable thing to do in her condition. But there's even more. As I said, this wasn't the first time that she'd heard that she would have a son. She heard she was having a son when she was 65. God told Abraham that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand on the beach. And that's a pretty bold promise for a 65-year-old. Yep. Now, in today's world, we think, yeah, I mean, that's on the edge of on the edge of possibility. 
In 2005, Maria del Carmen Busada del Lara became the oldest verified mother at the age of 66. But the twins that were conceived were conceived through IVF with donor eggs. So although medically medically possible at the age of 65, it was 66, it was done with complete total medical intervention. So I'm guessing in those days, there wasn't any of that for Sarah. And uh, at 65, she could have thought, okay, God, I'm at the, I'm quite beyond the edge, but I've got a bit of faith to, that you're going to see me through this. And here's where it, all, where it all went wrong. At 75, 10 years later, she realized that all hope was gone. And so what she did was decided to take matter into her own hands. And she sent in Hagar, her servant, she sent in the woman that served her to her husband to have sex with him. And so that should solve the problem. There, there, there's the child. If, if she gets pregnant, then I have solved the problem, which, as we see down through history, actually made the situation much, much worse. She still believed that the promise would be fulfilled, but she took matters into her own hands and fulfilled it in a way that was devastating for many, many years later. She still trusted God but thought that he might need some help. You see, here's the problem. She manipulated her husband. She sent her servant into a sexually abusive situation. Then she emotionally abused her servant Hagar when faced with the consequences of her own action. You see, Sarah's story of faith is both good, bad, and pretty ugly at times as well. But can we come back to Sarah's starting point? Because the starting point is really important. Since she considered him faithful, who had promised. She knew, she knew God to be faithful. Yes, she lost her way on the journey, but she came back to what she knew to be true. She knew that she could trust God. And here, here I think is where many of us, myself included, have a problem. Sometimes we just don't know God enough to trust him. And we're, we're actually living in a time where we don't know who or what to trust. You know, when we think about this, our certain situation, many people don't know whether even to trust the vaccination program being rolled out. I'm actually having my second vaccination on Wednesday before I come out to Canada. We're trying to get Dee her second vaccination as well. But many people don't even know whether they can trust that. And we all have all at times have been let down by friends. We've we've been let down by previously trusted sources of information like the media, let down by our health services, our church leaders, our government and politicians. We've been let down by family and ju the justice system. And so for many of us, for at different times, maybe even all of us, we find it difficult to have trust, to have faith in anything. And Sarah was let down by her husband, by her own body, by her family, by time, and even by herself. Yet, when we read this chapter, how incredible is it that she is in this long list of heroes of faith because she is known for trusting God, who she knew to be faithful. And this is where we can see ourselves. Let me ask you, when you look at your life, have you felt like Sarah, unfulfilled, incomplete, defective, deficient? 
Have you, have you ever not known who or what to trust? Maybe you've tried to circumvent God's timing and God's will by yourself and ended up like Sarah in a mess. Have you ever found yourself in a hole that you know you have dug? Maybe even that has caused problems for other people as well. Have you laughed at the promises of God or not believed what he's promised you? Some of the promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you because you feel alone. I've forgiven you because the enemy keeps reminding you of your mess ups, that you are loved, accepted and wanted because people have let you down. You see, I think I think this is where we can see ourselves so much in Sarah's faith story. It's not a she believed and everything was awesome. She believed she messed up. She was messed up. Things didn't go according to plan. Things didn't happen in her timing. You see, that's the story of our lives. We see ourselves in her. Yet she is still highlighted as a hero of faith among the greats. Can we ourselves list our faults yet still declare because I consider God faithful who has promised me? Can we come to God and learn to trust him in his faithfulness? Like like Sarah's faith, she considered God faithful, worthy of the trust that she put in him. Even though, even though here's the reality, she didn't really see the fulfillment of the promise. The promise wasn't just for a son. The promise was for a, a, an inheritance, a people that would come from Abraham and Sarah, too numerous to count, as, as many as the stars in the sky. You see, she and her husband actually only saw one son, just the seed of the promise. But she trusted God because she knew him. She started in the right place. Yes, she went off course. Yes, she had to come back to her starting point. But she started in the right place. She knew God. Like Paul, when Paul, the apostle who we see in the New Testament, he met God. And, and Paul was, let's, let's be honest, he was a nasty man. And we'll look at Paul at some stage as well, maybe look at a bit more of his character. He was killing and imprisoning Christians. That was what he felt was his role to do. And he had this encounter with Jesus. And his first question was, who are you, Lord? You see, he went off in the right direction. Many of us want to start in the place of who am I? That's where we start. But we need to come back to who are you, Lord? So how can we know this God that we talk about? Let's start simply with Jesus. Jesus, we see unpacked in the accounts of Jesus in the New Testament. So we start by accepting, accepting him. Many of us that are listening now have already made that decision to say yes to Jesus, to his life, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. But maybe there's some of you that haven't done that. And at the end of what I'm saying here, I'm going to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus. We start by accepting Jesus. But then we get to know Jesus through the Bible, particularly the first four books of what we call the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are all the accounts of the, the life of Jesus. But then you, you may ask the question, but th this is Jesus. That's that's not God. Brian Zand made a, a, an incredible quote, and I love this quote. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like. 
but now we do. He goes on to say that God is perfectly revealed in Jesus. Jesus himself in, in John 14 verse 9 says this. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. God is like Jesus. Jesus is like God. Jesus says, look at me and you will understand and you will see God. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see how he treated people. We see how he how he bucked the religious systems. And we see that it, 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 he just showed his love to people that needed so desperately to know him. He does the same through up to us right now. And we can know Jesus and therefore we can know God through Jesus. And as we get to know God, we can begin to trust him. Could we be a people who, are, who see ourselves in Sarah's story of faith? Not because it, it all works out well and the way that, that we wanted, but because faith is the story of the good, the bad and the ugly. Sarah's story or starting point was not the amount of faith she had, but it was who she places, placed her faith in. And I would rather have a tiny bit of faith in an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, ever-present God than a lot of faith in a very little God. This God, this Jesus who we talk about, has proven himself through the years to be faithful. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can learn so much from the accounts that we see in your word. We can, we can even see ourselves in those, those heroes of faith of old because of their mess ups and because of their, the way that they just did stuff. God, I pray that each of us will begin to see ourselves in Sarah's story. Lord, even though things didn't work out for her, but God, she still trusted you. And I pray that we come back to that. God, we trust you. We trust you in this time of global pandemic when, when things have never worked out like we, like we wanted to. But God, we still trust you in everything. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, can I just take a few more minutes of your time? What I'd love to, I'd love to lead some of you in a prayer. And it's a, it's a prayer of coming to know and accepting Jesus. And there's three groups of people that I, I want to call into that place and, and pray with you if I may. First group, you've never, you've never made a decision like this before. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never accepted him as what we would say, the phrase Lord and Savior, giving him your life. And you're ready to say that now. You're ready to say, God, Jesus, I, I don't know everything. I don't know the road ahead, but I want to trust you. I want to give you my life. I'd love to pray in a moment for you. But there's another group of people. And maybe you've, you've said this prayer once or twice or, or maybe even many times before. But today, you know, 
that you've walked away, but you want to come back. Like the prodigal son in the in the parable that Jesus says, it says, I love the phrase, it says, he came to his right mind. And maybe that's how you feel today. You've come to your right mind. You've seen that where you are is not where you should be. And you're coming home to family. And you're coming home to Jesus. And I want to pray with you. Or maybe you're here and you're a younger person and you, like me, grew up in a Christian home. And right now, you know, it is time to establish your own faith relationship with Jesus, not relying on the umbrella faith of your parents. But you're saying, Jesus, I want to know you and trust you and come to you for myself. Can I pray with you as well? Hey, we're going to pray in a moment and at any time from from this moment onwards, you can just hit the, the button. If you're in the chat right now, hit the button. I want to come home to Jesus and raise your hand. And I'll explain a bit more in a moment what happens after that. But let's pray together. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I accept your love, your grace and your forgiveness. And I make you my Lord and my saviour. Like Sarah, I long to trust you. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask you into my life from this moment onwards. Amen. Have you made that decision? As I said, just hit that button. It's, we just want to connect with you. And the other thing is when you hit that button, we actually see it. If we're watching on the chat, everyone sees it and everyone is celebrating with you right at this moment. I mean, you, if you do that, you'll be have opportunity to go through to, to speak to one of our online hosts. And we'd love to give you a Bible, uh, sorry, a New Testament and uh, get that in your hands, get you reading that and maybe get you on a reading plan that'll help you on this journey that you've just started. Appreciate you uh, making that decision. We want to celebrate with you. But there's a couple of things that I'd love to uh, challenges that I'd love to throw out to you. Come back next week join in, maybe even join a circle group as well. You may not have a clue what that is. Why don't you ask on the chat right now? But then go out and tell someone. Tell someone that you've made a decision. I know that might be quite a difficult thing to do, but tell someone you've made the decision because it establishes it in you and you never know what questions it'll bring up for them as well. Hey, it's been fantastic. Who knows? I might be back here again, but I might not be, but uh, hopefully we'll be coming out very soon. We'll keep you updated when we get some firm news on what's happening. Appreciate you guys and we'll see you soon. And I'm going to hand back to the team in Saskatoon right now. Love you, church. Take care.